Blog Talk Radio. Tonight is AJ Steele, and interviewing him will be myself, Stephen Platinum, and as always, the man about town, the regal, the ritzy, Larry Goodman. How are you doing tonight, oh, Larry? Well, I kind of like regal and ritzy rather than venerable. That's nice. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Looking forward to this uh, interview. I've been wanting to talk with AJ Steele about a lot. Of, you know, there's a lot to talk about with AJ Steele. There's a. It's a storied career for a Georgia wrestler. So I'm um, looking forward to that, but yeah, I'm doing, uh, doing pretty well, doing pretty well. Looking forward to heading up to the, um, also to the scenic city rumble this weekend. So we can, we so can touch scenic on city that. rumble, r- scenic city rumble this weekend, Larry, what's, what's something that you're really looking forward to seeing with that? Cause I mean, from the scenic city invitational, you know, now we have the rumble is kind of a, a tradition in and of itself. Um, what do you expect? What's something you are really looking forward to at the Scenic City uh, well, Rumble? Well, I, I would have loved to have seen Joey Lynch and Joey Mercury, but I equally want to see Kyle Matthews and Joey Mercury since, you know, Joey is um, out with a knee injury. He has um, torn meniscus and hoping to mm. rehab and, and not and avoid surgery, which I certainly support is one who had that surgery. Um, you know, the chances of winding up with arthritis are a lot higher if you wind up losing, you know, <laughs> some of the cartilage in your knee. So if you can avoid it, that's great, and I, I wish him a speedy recovery. But anyway, um, yeah, but also on that card, another interesting singles match, Billy Buck versus Kurt Stallion. That is wow. that is a Yeah, yeah, that's some unique matchmaking there. I'm looking forward to that. Tell me about tell me about Kurt Stallion a little bit. Of course, anybody in the Georgia scene, especially with Anarchy and uh, that, are familiar with Billy Buck. But tell me about Kurt Stallion. Well, of course, the, for Georgia, it would be the AWE fans who are most familiar with Stallion because he's been here numerous times. Uh, he also made a name for himself by making it to the semifinals of the Scenic City Invitational last year. Um, the guy busts his ass working indies. Uh, all over the country, uh, the amount of miles that guy must put on. Um, so he's 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 earning his stripes, uh, earning his reputation by, by through hard work. Um, so um, and he fits very well in the um, AWE Southern Strong style. He definitely sort of epitomizes that that style of work. So, uh, which of course Billy Buck does not. Um, so this will mm-hmm. be interesting. Interesting uh, uh, mix of styles. 
Uh, speaking of interesting, you know, I got to admit something. I have not really taken in any WWE products <laughs> in the last few months, really. But I did watch the Royal Rumble because for me, as with I think many other people would describe the Royal Rumble as kind of their favorite event of the year. And uh, I got to say, it was fantastic. I was completely happy with it. I was so happy with the Royal Rumble that I went back and watched NXT TakeOver and that main event with Gargano, that might be the best match that I've seen in a very long time. I was talking with a uh, couple folks, uh, Sal Renaro and somebody else backstage at PWA, uh, Peach State, about that. And just we were all just uh, raving about how great that match was. I, I mean, and they had to follow <laughs> the uh, Alistair Black um Adam Cole match. Yeah, that was yes. I loved that show. Yeah, I really loved that the show and, and that was an incredible match and almost made a believer out of me one thousand percent with that match. Wow. Yeah, Can yeah. And uh, I mean I mean in the Royal Rumble, it was the rare case. I mean, people did complain about certain things, which I thought was really stupid. I mean you got you got two winners that the crowd clearly wanted. Like they were the, you know, the, they're the ones the crowd wanted to win and they both won Asuka and, you know, and then uh, I thought the way they did the Rousey thing, though a little strange was exactly what they should have done, which is when's the last time you were hooked and dragged to Monday night? I mean, yeah. <laughs> it was a rare case of they did the right thing. I, you know, I thought sure they're going to have Rousey, enter at some point and then demolish a bunch of people, but they didn't do it. So they've done this rare thing of, I'm really interested in seeing her in the ring. I'm interested to see how they're going to do it. And, um, you know, think about this. Um, this will be a year where they don't have the undertaker. And I think they've done a great job of sort of taking the eye off the ball of, uh, you know, people are not thinking, Oh gosh, you know, there's no Undertaker match. You know, they've done a great job of sort of moving your eye away from that ball, and uh, I don't know. So far, I got to say, it's a it's a pretty good job. If this is the season of WrestleMania, the beginning of the season looks pretty good. I don't know if ratings have borne that out or anything like that, but so far, so good, I'd say. I would have to agree, and I really enjoyed the the women's rumble and the the reactions for Lita and Trish Stratus. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, all the people they brought back looked good and, and performed well. That was, that was very well done. Very entertaining. Um, the That's the rumble. word I was going to use. It was, it was very entertaining. Like both rumbles, I thought they had surprises come out at the right time. They threw in comedy at the right time. I, I would say the, the Vicky Guerrero appearance was as <laughs> funny <laughs> and well handled as I mean nobody looked bad you know like nobody got exposed it was she came out did her deal got dumped did her deal some more and it was hilarious and fantastic and I isn't that exactly what you want it's rare when we praise the WWE but boy when you earn it you earn it and Royal Rumble was right and it's not just because of who won this is not my racial bias coming into play it was <laughs> you know it it was nice when's the last time they had a rumble honestly where person who the crowd clearly had the strongest emotional connection to or wanted to win the most won it 
I mean, yeah, it's such it a leads, simple thing, you know? <laughs> right, it leads to compelling matches with with those two as the as the victors. So, uh, you know, I, I couldn't agree more. Hey, you know, one other thing on WWE yeah. I wanted to touch on. They have their quarterly uh, financial report uh, yeah. Thursday. And, you know, I'm sure you've, you know, there's been a lot over the last few days about the, the big tumble the stock market took and all that. Man, WWE stock barely moved. It is yeah, sitting it went up a within penny. a point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> it is like uh, one of the strongest stocks out there, WWE. Really surprising to me, but um, I guess it just shows they, you know, they've got a money-making machine, and uh, Wall Street recognizes that. So um, good for them. Yeah. Yeah, stock market tumble is interesting and just as interesting. Speaking of tumbles and horrific financial calamities, the announcement that the XFL <laughs> is coming oh. back. Um, nice I, um, segue. <laughs> yeah, I I think it's hysterical, Larry, that, again, hope springs eternal with wrestling fans. It's amazing. And as much as they've done, the, you know, they've done to distance themselves from this idea that it's related to the WWE. It's this, that, and the other. It's its own thing. It's alpha. You know, we're going to do it right this time. You know, it didn't take long. Like, the, all the initial stories after the press conference were like, huh, you know, maybe they are going to do it right this time, which I thought was just hilarious. You know, the, the biggest disaster since the show Malibu. And, and people are pretending to be excited about it. And then I saw an article where somebody just did an easy analysis of going, wait a minute, so they're not going to do anything for a year except get ready. And McMahon has pulled out $100 million and says he's not looking for outside, you know, outside people to own teams. He wants to own all the teams. So they're just like, how far is $100 million going to go in trying to get this thing going and off the ground when it's going to take a year before well, they're making a dime on it? You know? Since when, with the, with the problems the NFL is having, would would people would there be a lot of interest in a minor league football team? I mean, what do we really know about this? One, what? they're going to try to speed mm-hmm. up the game. Two, they're going to try to make it safer. And three, there'll be no kneeling. Uh, yes, for the national I, anthem. <laughs> so, what, what are we going to have? Flag football? How are they going to make it safer? What, what, what are you they going to do? I, I, I and, don't and they're going to make the, and the games are going to be like shorter time wise, which would imply that they're going to speed up everything. So they're going to speed up everything, but it's going to be safer. And yeah, good luck with all of that because none of it makes sense to me. And again, I think it's something that was created as a knee jerk reaction of oh, people are mad at the NFL right now, you know got these old white dudes who are mad about black guys kneeling. Let's see if we can come in and swoop in. Again, it's as dumb as, honestly, the people that think that there's this legion of wrestling fans, millions of wrestling fans that used to watch the Monday Night Wars who are just waiting for the right wrestling product to come up, and then they will suddenly, I guess, come out of hibernation and start watching wrestling again. It's It's been proven that that's just not going to happen. Do you realize, Larry, this, this kind of blew me away. It's been almost 17 years now since WCW has been gone. 
17 years. Like, there are wrestlers who are training now who may have never seen it and when it was running. <laughs> and, and yet, you know, and then to me, the XFL, it's a very similar mentality of, oh, there's these alienated NFL fans that are going to flock to the XFL. It's, it's, it's really amazing, I, though I'm sure in wrestling circles, there are people that have to be happy that Vince McMahon is obviously going to be tied up and occupied with something. Um, which I find really interesting, too, in that, I mean, he's the guy that's basically created modern wrestling, and he's got the only company that's viable whatsoever. And, yeah. And now it's almost like people can't wait for him to get put out of past, out to pasture um, with wrestling, and that there's something kind of sad about that, I think, you know? Well, it, to me, there's also something kind of <clears throat> sad about his obsession with trying to be successful doing something other than wrestling. Yeah. Uh, going back to the well here with the XFL, uh, I just, well, we shall see. Yes, we <laughs> shall see. Um, so what, tell me about the, what, what shows did you attend this last weekend, Larry? I was out at Peach State. Um, it was, um, as I wrote, the show was, was – okay um there's some good some not so good their attendance is a little better and and the other thing this weekend was of note was uh, charles uh anschutz and southern fried running the um landmark arena and yes. doing quite and nicely, doing well doing quite nicely there yeah he was yeah, very 150 pleased, drew, people drew well and uh plans to return at some point uh, i did there, chuckle it, it when he well. posted the thing of <laughs> when he posted the thing of He's like, well, we did so well that we were invited back. It's like, um, if the check clears, you're going to be invited back, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, QT Marshall shows drew, what, 30 and 40? Oh, I didn't know it was that bad. <laughs> oh, it was that bad, Larry. 30, then oh. 40, with, that, with all that Ring of Honor talent and all that other stuff, which is a good lesson of <sighs> running a wrestling school or being a wrestler is not promoting wrestling like the two are not the same thing at all you know and um yeah so that was a disaster i'm curious what uh what is the awe show that's going to be in there that is the last sunday in uh of february i believe that's what is the 25th okay so they have time to promote it and all that stuff so we'll see what we'll see what they can do the, the other, um, of course, interesting thing about uh, West Georgia right now, obviously, is that we have both UIW and Peach State now planning to run the um, VFW Fairgrounds in Carrollton as uh, their main building. Um, this was oh, uh, Peach, State's, Peach State's last show at the Villa Rica Civic Center um, for the foreseeable future. They, are, they have their dates set all the way through the anniversary show in the summer back at the VFW. Um, On the other hand, UIW starts their run at the VFW next weekend, and they do have a return date set for March already at the VFW. They are also going to run the uh, Goldust Park in Villa Rica as well, which, again, puts them only a few miles down the road from uh, Peach State. So, um, again, we shall see how all that uh, plays out. This is the um, worst retirement in wrestling since Terry Funk. Like, I, 
<laughs> there was a time where they weren't going to run in Georgia anymore, correct? Like, that, like what is going on? I mean, yeah, well, I, mean, I guess we can ask AJ Steele about, you know, like what? We will. <laughs> uh, the, I mean, the, the, the short version of that is the, the obvious answer is that they didn't draw when they tried to go over into Alabama. And uh, Buchanan is, is um, a dead town. They couldn't draw there even with a free show. So they're, they're back to the area where they did, did the best and taking another shot. And, and, and with um, a little more expensive talent, bringing in Caleb Conley and Chelsea Green. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, we'll you know, see what that does for them. I remember once um, there was a comic called Kingdom Come, and it was about like sort of a future generation of heroes and their spawn, you know, so it was like old Superman and old Batman and all this kind of stuff. And uh, I was reading an explanation. I promise this is going to make sense in a second, um, where they talked about um, that this that this kid gave the writer the idea planted in his head this idea of must there be a superman that would be the name of this comic where like a bunch of cosmic entities would confront superman and go do you realize by doing everything for humanity you've actually kind of hurt humanity um like because they don't have to think for themselves anymore you've actually sort of retarded the growth of civilization because they rely on you too much. And the story was going to be called, must there be a Superman? And I, I always wonder if certain people under like ever asked that question, do you have to exist? Um, <laughs> that sounds very harsh, but like if, if you're doing, I understand almost every group in Georgia. I really do. Like Southern fried has aspirations on being bigger and running in different towns. Anarchy is the place where you go to learn that does the solid, great shows um, and, you know, has developed talent over the years that, you know, it's like a who's who of pro wrestling. Like, I get why I even get why AWE runs, right, where it's just like we have an ambition to be this thing that's really different and we'll give you matchups that nobody else will and we'll introduce talent and I get it. I get all of it. I'm not so sure I get UIW at this stage in the game. I'm not quite sure what their identity is, and I'm not quite sure why they're running except for the pride of Stan and Billy. Well, I think we I know, that might be either, too harsh. Well, I think we should get either Billy or Stan or both on the show and, and talk to them about UIW and get, get a – Get their take on where, where they're coming from and what their what their plan is, particularly now with this new undertaking out there in uh, Carrollton. I mean, I think it's a great idea, and you know, if you can find a translator, I think that would be a wonderful thing. Oh man! Oh jeez! Jeez! Hey, well, one other one other thing that I'm trying to do, and when we well, then we'll bring AJ Steele on. Uh, Moose Lewis. I I reached yeah. out to Moose Lewis to see if he'd be willing to do an interview with us. I did yeah. not have a response yet, but um, I think that it could be interesting for those who have <laughs> yeah, interest in the in the in uh, Moose Lewis and his escapades in Georgia, his escapades into boxing, his escapades into the all white ball league. Um, we'll see if we can get him on here to to, to ask him about those things. 
cool. That sounds good to me. Um, but let's get on to the main event of the show here as we're yes. joined by – Give us um, an intro, Larry. Yeah, one of the top stars in Georgia wrestling for the last 15 years. He's been just about everywhere and been a top star everywhere he's gone. Um, we are really pleased to have with us tonight the one and only A.J. Steele. Welcome to the Tipping Point. What's up, Larry? Hey, man, how you doing? How the hell are you? <laughs> doing good, man. How are you? I'm good. What's up? You guys uh I was sitting here listening to some of the stuff that you guys are saying, and to be completely honest with you, I didn't even know UIW was still running shows. Yeah, no shit. Like, I, like just, we might as well jump into it. Now, you had a relationship um, with UIW. Um, you know, you wrestled there. Um, you and Pandora in particular, I think you were part of some stuff that was really hot there. And then stuff sort of imploded. Now, We've sort of touched on that before. Um, obviously, the split wasn't a very like acrimonious one. So, what when you when you know about now that you know that UIW is running shows and running them in Georgia, and you know they're going to be running the same building as Peach State and that kind of thing. Can you give us some insight just based on what you know about Stan and Billy? Why the hell are they still running? Like, why must there be a Superman, you know? Like, why? What's the what's the drive behind those guys to continue to do these shows that I think for the most part lose money? Um, it seems like it's a lot of hassle. I mean, Stan was sort of the original, like, Josh Wheeler, where, like, it seemed like every month he was talking about quitting and not doing it anymore. And it's like, what's them going? Why do they keep running shows, man? Uh... Yeah, that's a lot. Uh, it's, <laughs> it kind of puts a smile on my face. The, the, in my opinion, in my opinion I, I think UIW has been one of the absolute most dysfunctional shows that I've ever dealt with because you have a dysfunctional family. I mean, it, I mean, this that's one of the most fucked up families that I've ever dealt with in my life. Mm. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah. You are. It's kind of too late if if I wasn't allowed to say it. <laughs> but yeah, it's, they they're one of the most dysfunctional families that I've ever that I've ever seen. Like um why they're still running shows. I mean, they 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 love the business. I I don't knock anybody who loves the business and who wants yeah. to continue to to promote shows. UIW at one point was one of the hottest shows in Georgia. I mean, if you go back, go back to uh, there, there's so many different shows. I can't. What Rob Adonis and um, Rob Adonis used to be there. Yeah. Crew Jones used to be there. Uh, Sean Banks used to be there. Me, Murder. I mean, there, it, it was one of the. I mean, Bull Buchanan. You know, like yeah, Bull Buchanan was there. Um, uh. There, there's so many people. There's so many people who that show and that show was such a amazing show, and it was always some drama based off of Stan and Billy. There were other people that were involved, but the majority of it was Stan and Billy that that caused problems amongst themselves. Like they they didn't trust each other. 
You know what I'm saying? They they didn't trust each other. They didn't. They one one would book one show. It was like it was like two different shows were being booked for the same date. It was Billy's show, and then there was Stan's show. And Billy didn't know what the hell was going on with Stan's show, and Stan didn't know what the hell was going on with Billy's show. And then because Stan was the son, he had to do what Billy wanted. And most of the time, Stan tried to do shit through the back door, like. Half the bookings that he booked, Billy knew nothing about. Or or half the amount of money that was being paid, Billy knew nothing about. Mm. So like I said, it was one of the most functional shows. For the most part, Stan really didn't run anything. It was more so Stan had an idea, and then the people that were involved booked everything else. It was like, hey, mm, I got to let's put... Let's put this person against this person. Okay, so for what? And then, and then when when the people actually got there, they did not know what the fuck was going on. They did not know what they were doing. They didn't know who was going over. Why? There was no storyline about it. It was meaningless matches, and it was it was just dysfunctional all the time. It was always dysfunctional, and you never knew what the we knew what was going on because we basically booked ourselves. I'm saying we like people like me, Murder, Pandora. Pandora did her own shit. Um, the other people, Nina. Nina was involved at the time. It was it was always the certain people came in and did what we wanted to do, and it worked because if you remember, like I said, UIW was one of the hottest shows in Georgia. Yeah, yeah, I mean they would. I mean, just in terms of numbers, sheer numbers, right? Like they would average one fifty to two hundred. I mean, these are numbers that they would they would you know they would drown puppies for right now, right? right. Like they drew between one fifty and two hundred, and then for bigger shows, could be three, could be four. When like I that, stopped, those, when I stopped, I don't mean to cut you off, but when I stopped, no, no. wrestling for UIW, there was maybe. Maybe sixty people, and thirty-five yeah. of them was Billy and Stan's family. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I I would say that the last thing they did, barring like huge things like Bull Buchanan's last match, right? I think the last program that they ran that that I witnessed where they actually drew in excess of a hundred was when they did like Jeter and Bull Buchanan. Right, where right. they had that little right. program going. Right. And then right when that ended, then things fell off, and then they became like, I mean, the boys call it AWE West. I mean, <laughs> you know, where right. it was like, I mean, they derisively call it that. But we'll, we might get back to UIW, but I wanted you to get a chance to talk about a bunch of different things. And, and one of them is, let's go from UIW to a, the like one of the most functional locker rooms you're probably ever in in Peach State. What was right. um like can you describe the situation where you went to Peach State, why you went to Peach State, and then what what that locker room was like when you got there? Um well, Rick Michaels uh is so it's kind of funny now to tell the story, but Rick Michaels was booked. I don't know if you guys remember, but at one point we did a big show where basically it was kind of half of Peach State's locker room was at UIW's show, and they and we did like a big battle royal. So mm. Rick Michaels was in the battle royal when all of 
this chaos was going on. You got me in the ring. You got murder in the ring. You got, I think the Washington Bullets were there. There was a lot going on. And like I said, UIW was drawn really well. We had some good, hot crowds. And we get me and murder got back to the locker room. And Rick Michaels, standing in UIW's locker room, was trying to get me and murder to come wrestle for Peach Stick. Like, right there. In the, <laughs> he, wasn't, he wasn't hiding it. He wasn't trying to be, you know, sneaky about it. He was out in the open. He said, I want you guys to come work with me. And at the time, Murder and I was very hot, and we were asking for an amount of money, and we were we were stubborn on that amount of money because we knew we could get it. And at the time, Rick, I guess he didn't have it in his budget to do it. And yeah. that was the reason why we never went over. Um when I when I left UIW, it was because we were fired. May I say we, me and Pandora, were fired from the company. And to be 100% honest with you, I don't even remember exactly what it was. But, oh, oh okay, I'm sorry. I just remembered. I wasn't drawing <laughs> enough people. Okay, so... I am not trying to make this about me, and I don't want to sound like no arrogant bastard that just thinks that he's the shit, but you can't tell me that out of those 60 people and 30 of them was there because there was Billy and Fed's family paying customers, and I was the champion. They, they, were, they were coming. Those same people that was coming when there was 300 people that were there were so loyal that they came when there was 30 people that were there. And you cannot say my amount of money that I asked for, I have always I've always booked myself like this. As as far as being money hungry, I've never been money hungry. But anywhere and you guys I, I feel very, very confident saying this. Any show that I've ever worked on, once I actually got my name out and became an established worker, any show that I've ever worked on, I know that there was 10 people in that building that came to see me. So I don't feel like asking for that, you know, that amount of money. If I'm bringing in 10 people, I deserve that money. You're going to make way more money than that. But those 10 people coming here to see me, that's all I'm asking for. And I don't feel like I'm asking for too much. UIW right. knew that when we were, when we were running those, bro, I'm 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 sorry because I'm getting away from what you asked me, but they said that I wasn't drawing any money. They said that Pandora wasn't drawing any money. At the time, she and I were the two top reasons that people were were there. Then, of course, you had Mad Dog Dan Sawyer was coming in. You had Wicked coming in. You had the guys from uh, from um, GCW, um, uh, O'Hagan, and uh, damn, I can't remember Clyde. Clyde, Clyde was coming yeah. there. I mean, there was a lot of there was there was good talent that started coming in there, but they weren't drawn anymore. They weren't drawn anymore. So we went to I went to Peach State, with, and they 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 welcomed me with open with open arms. Rick Michaels had been wanting me to come there, and he him being the genius that he is, he knew that bringing us straight from. You know, UIW with all of this hoopla that was going on there, there's always some bullshit, always some drama going on. He knew they're bringing us over and saying, and this is what he put on the poster. 
We are going to give AJ Steele and Pandora a live mic. So you know everybody is automatically going to think, I'm going to bury UIW. And I never did. I never said one thing about UIW when I got the microphone. Because professionally, I'm better than that. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to go, I'm not going to make your show relevant because clearly with the 60 people that were there, it's not relevant anymore. And now I'm not there. I know that sounds arrogant as fuck, but I'm just saying it's the truth. Yeah. Larry. Well, uh, just to finish on that point, though, what? how did you feel about your Peach State run? I felt, I felt it was great. I felt it was great. I thought that I came in straight with Tommy because Tommy had cut a promo a few weeks to me being there, and it was so unplanned. Tommy just – Tommy being the asshole that he is just decided I'm going to – I'm going to take a, you know, Tommy's always pushed the envelope, always. Tommy Too Much has always been one of those guys who pushed the envelope. So he did that, and it just so happened that everything fell in place for me to be at Peach State like a few weeks after he cut a promo saying that he might go to UIW and whoop A.J. Steele's ass. Well, here you go. Now you have the opportunity. You know, and um, we we started off on fire, and it's, we, it just it just continued to burn. It continued to from the first time we touched each other, at the first time I punched him, at at the first show, to a year, and what one month later, I finally win the UI the I'm sorry the Peach State title, and they went nuts. And it was a pack. It was from what I heard, they said it was the, one of the biggest pops that the company has ever had when I actually pinned him with a. Sunset flip over the top rope and beat him. Well, it was, it was certainly one of my favorite uh, stories at Peach State. I mean, it was it played out so well, and you guys played your had did your role so well. Like you say, it had heat all the way through it, and then you got the satisfying ending. Um, yeah, yeah, it was really, really um, good stuff. You and he, you and he definitely played very well off of each other for sure. Right, <laughs> right. I mean, it was it was amazing. Like uh, Rick, Rick. And, you okay, you give us the credit for actually going out and doing it, but you have to give Rick the credit because some of the ideas that he would come up with and, and, and because Tommy and I had such a great chemistry with each other, we just fed off of each other. And a lot of times we didn't talk about anything. All we needed was a finish, and we would go out and we would make it happen. And when you find yeah. chemistry like that, it 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 becomes it's priceless. You can't plan a better day, a better night. You know what I'm saying? Where everything happens perfectly, without planning it, it just happens. And it and it's because Tommy Tommy was willing to give, and and I was willing to give, and we and we made for it all made for a great situation. And Rick Michaels, like I said, a hundred percent. To him for being creative enough to give us the platform, the and 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 basically what we did was bring his vision to life. Whatever it was in his sick twisted mind, we brought it to life and we made it work. And it worked because we we have worked so well together with each other always since. I mean, me and Tommy worked each other back in the Fort Valley days, way back when, right before uh, uh, Rampage ever started. Hey. I, I... 
I want to take you back to the, your beginnings in Georgia. Now, I, I I first saw you down, of course, in, in uh, GCW Columbus with Jerry O's. I guess that would have been in 2004. First question is, how did you how did you wind up in Georgia? Um, I'm originally I'm from New Jersey, which is a shoot, and um, I know a lot of people don't they think I'm from like Warner Robins because uh, I was living in Warner Robins when we started the Rampage thing, but. Originally, I'm from New Jersey. I moved down here when my grandfather had cancer, and all my family came down to kind of support my grandma and everything. So, And I was being a little knucklehead up in New Jersey, getting in trouble. And so it was like a little bit of punishment and a little bit of you need to get the hell out of here before you get in trouble type. And, and that's what got me into Georgia. Um, I know I've told this story before. I was friends with um, uh, Randy Savage. Macho Man was a friend of the family. And he was the one who was supposed to train me. But when he was supposed mm-hmm. to train me, he won the uh, world title at the – there was a big pay-per-view where they had, like, three rings in, at the same time, and they did, like, a big war game – not war games, but, like, a big battle royal, and he won, he won right. the title. Well, that – two weeks after that, he was supposed to start training me, and it didn't happen because his schedule had just basically quadrupled with him being the champion. So – I had to wait, and I didn't want to wait. I was, I think I was 18 or 19 years old. And uh, because of that happening, I, I looked into Ultimate Warrior School. The Ultimate Warrior had a school at the time. I contacted him and his people. They sent me a big package. It was a whole bunch of what you can and can't do and a whole bunch of money. And, I, you know, I, I didn't have it at the time. I spoke with... Uh, uh, Owen Hart, and um, there was another brother, not 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 Brett, but uh, I think it was Bruce Hart. Bruce Hart was a fireman. Yeah. I got in touch yes. with Bruce Hart. Bruce Hart told me he could train me, and I was going to go to Canada. But then my parents were like, "You know, uh, it's expensive to live in Canada, don't you?" And I didn't have no job or anything at the time, so. Working in, I was living in Macon, Georgia, and um, Randy told me about Marty Jannetty. Marty Jannetty wound up telling me about Jerry Oates. Jerry Oates wound up training me, and then Marty would come in and help out on the weekends when he would pop in. Marty Jannetty, Greg Brown, um, a couple of the guys down, uh, Billy Knight, um, Kevin Kelly, there was a couple of guys down there, um, Osborne, I know the guy that you know that wrestles named Osborne. He he was down there. It was a, a Darren Kelly. It was a few people that were down in Columbus that were very talented. And I was the first trainee that brought Jerry Oates out of retirement from training people. Mm-hmm. I went down and and for a whole year, we wrestled on a six foot mat in Jerry Oates' gym on the floor. I mean, and I'm telling you, we did arm drags, we did hip tosses, we did. He taught me how to bump. And I wore a pair of shorts the very first day I stepped foot in his gym, and my leg was black and blue after after the first day. All I did was bump. I just bumped on this six-foot mat, and that's where I learned how to wrestle. And he made me wrestle in there on that six-foot mat. Every bump I took was in the very center of the ring because that's where he wanted me to land at. So over and over and over again on that six-foot mat is where I bumped, and then we did everything then he graduated us to a, a bigger mat that was the size of that, of like a 16 by 16 ring. 
So then we get we wrestled on the mat for another couple of months, and then I graduated to a ring. So it was a year before I actually had my mm. first match. We trained. I trained on the floor. Then I trained on a mat. Then I trained on a bigger mat. Then I trained in the ring. And I would not have it any other way because, to me, I learned the proper way to do the things, the basics. Because Jerry did. He taught me the basics, and he was he was dead set on the basics. you got to know the basics before you learn anything else. And so I was never one of those guys that was trained on a trampoline who said, oh, well, I want to be a wrestler, and I <laughs> and jumped around on trampoline. Right. So that's mm. how I wound up in Columbus. That's how I wound up with Jerry Oates. And I wow. actually met his brother, Ted. My mom used to groom Ted's dog at the pet store <laughs> in, in Macon. So once, once I met Jerry first, and then I met his brother, and then I was like, oh, I know your brother. And, 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 you know, of course, at the time, they weren't speaking to each other. So Ted was like, <laughs> yeah, who gives a shit? But, okay, but anyway, yeah, that, that was – um. That was that was how I wound up in Columbus and wound up and, you know, and, in Georgia and then in Columbus. And what a place to be because in, in 2004, 2005, they were drawing, what, three, 400 people a week. They had the, the talent on those shows, Disco Inferno, Elix Skipper, Jason Cross, um, Chris Stevens. I mean, they, those were – they had the best thing going in Georgia for, for a period of time. They had, had a tremendous run in those early years. Absolutely. We had we had basically GCW had TNA's roster every week. We either had TNA or we had WCW people always. Eric mm-hmm. Watts was Eric, yeah, I know you remember Eric Watts was booking the show. Oh, yeah. Um we had uh uh Terry Taylor would come in. You remember Terry Blanchard and Dusty Rhodes came in, we did the big war games thing. Yes. That's the night that Jerry Jerry split his head wide open. If you remember, he got like 160 stitches in his face when he when he when he yeah he hit the cage and that whole yeah that was a mess. Ooh. But um yeah um the talent there um was amazing. We I learned so much from so many. Sonny Siaki. I used to get in. Yeah, I used to, man. Go, on I used to go on the road with Sonny and uh, AJ Styles and David Young. And I fell asleep one time, and they were driving down the interstate and slammed on brakes, and I almost shit on myself. Um, but um, <laughs> I learned—I just learned. So, it was a great time for me because I was able to learn so much from so many different people, and I probably would have not—I wouldn't have lasted as long as I did had it not been for those guys giving me. Bull Buchanan was there. Um, you remember Bad Company, Ted Allen. I, uh, we yes. wrestled, Ted Allen, I wrestled Ted Allen a million times. Bordell Walker was there. Uh, like you said, Jason Cross. Um, Queeley from WCW. I mean, there was yeah. just so many, so many talented people. And we just, I literally just soaked it all up. And then, you know, then I turn the TV on and I either see these guys on WCW or I would see them on, on TNA. And it was just a great time for me. Uh, I learned how to, this is a funny story. I learned how to cut a promo, a live promo, with David Young's ass right behind the camera, shaking in front of me because he was mooning me and I had to keep a straight face. So once people were like, oh, wow, why you, you, you do really good promos? Well, yeah, well, you got David Young's ass and balls in the, in the, behind the camera, so I got no choice but to do it. You know? And it was great. It was live. It was live. It was awesome. I mean, there was there – was, there was no better time. I learned more then than I ever did in 
this business for the 21 years that I was involved in it. AJ, so, you know, oh, sorry, Larry. Go ahead, Larry. No, I would if it, just uh, wanted to just finish up on the Columbus thing. Uh, it, it, moving forward then, I guess Jerry had some financial problems, Jerry Oates, and yeah. he wound up selling the company to Diane and Bill Hughes. Right. Oh, and, my gosh. And they yeah, changed the name the, to Great Championship Wrestling. Yeah, that's a blast from the past. <laughs> so, could you talk about your your thoughts, experience of that changeover and Bill and Diane Hughes coming in and running the the company? Well, oh, I, I remember meeting I remember meeting them from the very beginning. Like when we first started running in that building, the GCW Arena, as we called it. I remember meeting them from there, and at that point, we. We all thought that they were the owners at the time anyway. I, I've always thought that they were, I never knew any, anything different. I didn't know if Jerry owned it or if they owned it, but it always seemed as if when they would come around, everybody showed them the respect that was, you know, as if they owned the place. Mm. So so I, we always, I was always under the impression that it was it was, these were the owners, and, of course, we treated them, in that manner, like so, I I didn't know that Jerry was behind. You know, I knew that he was behind, like booking the show and all that kind of stuff. But I didn't know that he was financially involved with it like that. So gotcha. when all the stuff changed, it 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 really I I knew nothing about it. I knew nothing about it because nothing changed for me. Nothing changed because they were still in the same position that they were before. Jerry, you know, they were to me they were still the boss. You know what I'm saying? They were they were like Vince McMahon and 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 his wife. You know what I'm saying? So we we treated them with respect when they came around. They were some strange people. Yes, they were some very strange people. Nice people, but very strange. So <laughs> strange in what way? And, uh, wow. Uh, well, he he was just. He, he was just they were just, they were just weird. <laughs> I don't really know, I don't really even know how to explain it. They just were you know, they were yeah, they were just weird. dude, I I don't know, they were just strange. Okay, well I'll 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 just I'll just move on past that. But but then okay. things, things okay. really things really did change because Jerry was gone and then the company yes. moved across the river to Phoenix City to the skating rink yes 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 it did and uh that was that was pretty crazy because it was like for you know at one point it seemed like everything was a split like either you was it was like half of the locker room was with jerry and then the other half of the locker room was with the with the Hughes and and it was just like you know my loyalty was going to be to jerry because jerry trained me so as as a as a student of his, I felt like you know what what do you want what do you want us to do? And then, you know, he just kind of disappeared, and he left. And I think he went to Savannah is where I thought yeah. he went. And like I said, I just sort of when people don't want to be bothered, I leave them alone. I don't you know I I love Jerry to death. Uh, I appreciate everything he's done for me. I don't have anything bad to say about him, but he wanted to be left alone, and I didn't. 
go chasing after him looking for answers or anything. I just wound up going to great championship wrestling where the Hughes then really got strange because, you know, they started fighting amongst themselves and different things. Yeah. So, what was that guy's name that they brought in? Um, Quentin Michaels. Quentin Michaels. Nicely done, Larry. Quentin oh. <laughs> and he, um, he was one of those people who thought that he was really Vince McMahon. And, oh, yeah. Um, you know, they – and, it, you know, I stayed there for a while. I got to wrestle guys like Orion Bishop and, and Wicked and those guys came in. And, of course, Crew Jones and, and Sean Banks with the Hot Like Lava thing. Um, they were there. And um, there was just a, a, a still J-Rod, uh, a whole bunch of great talented guys there. Uh, Kodiak, the big, the big bear that, that used to come in there and beat the hell out of everybody. Uh, Death Row, I, I worked. Death Row there a lot. There's so many people, I can't remember all their names, but David Young popped up, Johnny Swinger popped up, you know, different, yeah. different good, still still good talent, great talent was there. So we had we had pretty good shows there too, but um, it was just weird because, like, Quentin thought, Quentin thought that he was Vince McMahon, and, they, and he was trying to do that territory thing, and they were telling, if you remember, they were telling me where I could wrestle and where I couldn't wrestle. And I yeah, thought, you know, there was a big show. If you remember, Billy Roper did a show back in the GCW building. I can't remember what the name of the promotion was, but Prime Time Wrestling. Prime nice. Time Wrestling. Ow. There you go. And um, just me, me and Jason Cross. Nobody knew whether we was going to be at Great Championship Wrestling or if we were going to be at the Prime Time Show. And they, if you remember, they did a show one night apart from each other. Like one was on a Friday and the other was on a Saturday. And I did, I went to the show on Friday at Great Championship Wrestling, and everybody was like, oh, they said you're going to be there. And I just kept quiet. I didn't say anything. And the next day, Southside Trash brought me in for the primetime show, and everybody went nuts because, you know, they wanted – as a matter of fact, I remember talking to you, Larry, about whether or not I was going – to be at the primetime show or if I was going to stay with uh, Great Championship Wrestling. And I just kind of left everybody in the dark because for one whole week, I was talked about pretty regularly, and I thought it was cool. <laughs> nice. Well, AJ, I want you to get a chance to talk about what you what you want to do from this point on. But I had one question. You know, you had a chance to book, right, at Southern Fried. And, uh, and um you know, when that, when your tenure as Booker ended, it seemed like there was like a little bit of problems or I don't know. It seemed like Southern Fried tried tried to like, you know, uh, the implication was that you didn't really fulfill your end of the bargain. I just, I just wanted you to speak on that and, and like say your piece and what happened there. Okay. I thought, I thought Southern Fried, I, I had another, that was another promotion where to be honest with you, most promotions that I worked for were always – I always had great – there was always great talent. I always had a great time. I enjoyed I, – when I, when I get out of this business, I always wanted to be remembered as somebody that was always very professional when it came to the business side of this. I've always yeah. been one – I want to have fun. I want to be – you know, I, I was always lighthearted. I joked around with everybody. I didn't not talk to anybody. I always tried to be 
you know, make make the new guys comfortable and 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 just have a good time. That's what we were there to do. We we're there to entertain people. The problem with Southern Fried was, and I don't know, I don't know where where that came from that I didn't fulfill my end of the bargain. Here's here's, I love Charles to death. I'm sure he's going to listen to this, but he knows I'm going to tell the truth. Here's the deal. When you ask me to book your show, and I say yes. I'm going to book your show. If you want me to book your show, let me book your show. Don't tell me you want me to book your show, but then you change every fucking thing on the show because you don't like what we book. Okay? So because technically I'm not your booker. You are. Okay? So I book a show. I start bringing in new talent because nobody wants to see the same people week in and week out. You want to see new talent. So I bring in new talent. I say, hey, I'm going to do this person and this person. We're going to start here with them, and then we're going to make a story out of them because everybody knows. And I don't know if this is a a, a secret or or what it is, but everybody knows. Storyline is what brings people back. If there's a good storyline that the fans can get emotionally in, attached to, yeah. they're going to come back. Well, yeah. if I book two guys and Charles doesn't know who they are, or I book two guys and Charles is, is not two guys that are, you know, on his list of favorites, I don't like those guys. They, they're not going to draw anything. Well, I don't know if you know, but we're still, we're still promoting wrestling, so there should be some wrestling here, Okay. So when I book wrestlers and, and I book a story to start here, we're going to start it here. It has to start somewhere. But they, the, the fans have got to establish, okay, this person is the baby, this person is the heel, or, or whatever it is that they want because, you know, fans are funny. They may, you may try to make a person a heel and the fans make them a baby face. You know what I'm saying? So, but the, the bottom line yeah. is storyline, storyline. Charles, for some reason, would not stick to storyline other than, let me say this, he would stick to a storyline if it was involving his main event people, but his undercard people, it, it was just it was just like, it was like matching. So when I started booking stuff, it, and Chris Nims, Chris Nims helped me out. He is so underrated to me. For those people that don't like him, there's a lot of people that don't like him. Hey, at one point, I didn't like him. I wanted to beat his ass because he booked me on a show. He booked me on two shows, and I came to one, and then he didn't tell me that I wasn't booked on the other one. So, of course, when I'm getting ready to show up, and he's like, oh, I forgot to tell you. Uh, so, for about two years, I wanted to beat his ass. He's one of the only one of the – there's only been three people in the business that I didn't like, that I did not – I, 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 I mean, and it was public knowledge. Everybody knew. Big Bank Barfield, I couldn't stand him because he called me a racial slur. Me and him are okay now, so I don't want nobody to think that I'm still dwelling on it. Velvet Jones, because Velvet Jones thought that me and Murder were two thugs and we shouldn't have been on television, and the only reason why is because he got pulled off of television at Rampage, and we, weren't, and we didn't. And um, who was the third one? I was just, I was just talking about it. I'm, I'm getting old, Larry. I forgot my whole train of thought. <laughs> well, 
Are you know, say actually, Nels AJ, or someone else. There's a third one, and I can't remember who the third one is. I'm, I'm, I've been hitting there with chairs a lot. It's probably Larry. Um, you know, you know what? Let me tell you this real quick about Larry. I'm going to tell this story. Larry Goodman, when we wrestled, when I wrestled at GCW, when I was a heavyweight man at GCW, Larry Goodman buried me week in and week out. He destroyed me. Anytime I've wrestled, if it wasn't anything that was good, he 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 just completely demolished me. I knew nothing about this whole thing. Like the internet hadn't it hadn't hit me yet. I didn't know. Everybody's talking like, "Who is this Larry Goodman guy?" Well, I don't know, but he sure talks shit about you. Well, guess what? Once I found out about Larry Goodman, I started reading his reports, and his reports were so detailed you could tell that he sat and he watched every single match, and he reported what he saw. And as a fan, if he saw that. What makes what makes him any different from a fan? Because if he saw some shit, then the fans saw some shit. So instead of me going after, because I really wanted to beat him up, instead of going after Larry Goodman, I started critiquing myself off of Larry Goodman's reports. Okay, Larry Goodman said this. Larry Goodman said that. So to any of the newbies that are listening, don't take this man's reports. Larry Goodman shit on me. Okay, if he shit on you. It was because you've done something that you shouldn't have done or you look like shit and you deserve to be shit on. So correct <laughs> it. Correct it. Make it better. And stop being stop being such a prima donna. You know, everybody's got these, these egos and stuff. Like, stop. Everybody needs cor- the, the constructive criticism. Everybody. None of us was born doing this shit. None of us. So if somebody comes along and is opinionated about... Just like you wanted to be a wrestler, Larry wanted to be a writer. You know what I'm saying? So listen to what he's saying. Now, I'm not saying he's always right. But I'm just saying if he's critiquing your matches and watch, listen to what it is that he's saying because he's not going to tell you anything that's not true. If the, if your shit looked like shit, then the fans probably thought so too. Tell that. You know, I always tell that story. You know, I always, every time I see you, I say the same thing. Larry buried me back in '04 when I was GCW Heavyweight Champion, and thank God for him because now I'm, um, you know, who I was, and now I'm, yeah. So anyway, but Charles, well, you Charles, know, Charles, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, please finish up about Charles, and then I know Larry and I wanted to ask you about Rampage before you go. So, okay. but please, well, yeah, keep Charles. Going. Charles is a great man. I love him to death. But at the time, the the problem with me and Chris that we had, and I hope I'm not throwing Chris under the bus, but the problem that we had was Charles. Charles books his mat. He used to book his matches based off of the passion that he had as a fan, and in my opinion. A fan wants to see what a fan wants to see. But you have to look at what brings people back. If you remember the Georgia versus Florida storyline that we did at, at uh, SFCW, which to me drew the biggest yes. crowd that I've ever seen in that yes. building. And when they did the whole heel turn at the end when I was in the cage and there were fans trying to climb into the cage to get me out and there was 500 people there, it was because it was a storyline. Everybody was emotionally attached 
to the Georgia team, and the, and they hated the Florida team. Of course, you had a few people there that wanted the Florida team to win, but the point was is that we had that story so on fire that there was no way that they weren't going to come to see what was going to happen. And they and they came there because we had them emotionally involved in everything. And not only was it that match, the show after that, that that one match who that had eight or nine people involved in it was a whole nother show in that one match because you broke down the Logan Creed. Drew Adler was a baby face there at the time. There was uh, there was so much going on. That one match broke down into almost an entire show, and the people were emotionally involved in it. And that was what I tried to get Charles to understand, is that storylines is what brings people back. These little spot matches, because you want to see this person wrestle that person, and it'll be a good match, that works. Don't get me wrong, but who's invested into it? Once they win or lose, who's going to talk about it? Somebody is going to talk about Jagged Edge having AJ Steele arrested and and thrown into jail because I violated a, a restraining order. I mean, it was a storyline. It was it was people people were facebooking me asking me if they wanted me to come get them out of, if they would come get me out of jail. AJ, I'll come get you out. So we had them. We had them. And that to me. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but if that that's how you sell tickets. I'll tell you, I remember the the Georgia-Florida storyline. I also remember at the time, I couldn't tell you what happened on the rest of the card, except that often they were sort of derided for, well, that wasn't very good, and I assume that's a lot of the matches that Charles wanted to see. It wasn't very good, but everyone left going, "Oh my God, that thing that happened at the end." That was right. all. That was always the take on Southern Fried at that. Time. Yeah, that's right. It didn't. It didn't matter what happened on the rest of the show in that sense because the main event was going to be so hot that that's what mattered and that's what people remembered and left with. It's was so that, was what happened in those guys, mains. It, it's so it's so crazy that you guys would say that because it sort of seemed like. The first half of the show was a build-up for the second half of the show. Like the first half of the show, and and I'm not bad mouthing anybody. It just always seemed like the matches on the first half of the show didn't get over well, and it was like they were waiting for the intermission so that the real show could start. And and everybody used to come in and be like, I don't want to be on the first Very half, much I'd rather so, be on yeah. the second half. So, and maybe that was my fault. Because at the time, I was booking it. I mean, and, and I'll take full responsibility for it, but, I mean, that we can do about it now. But it always seemed like the first half of the show didn't have the the heat and didn't have the, you know, the following that the second part of the show did. So anytime you were from the intermission to the main event, it was like that was where your meat and potatoes was, but that was also where all your storylines were at. Charles started bringing people in because he wanted new talent, and that's great. But nobody knew nobody knew who they were, but we have to give them a chance so that they can become somebody. Build your talent from within. You don't got to always go out and buy these, get these high-priced people when you can build your own talent. You can make these guys popular. You can get these guys over. They have to work for it. It's not going to just happen. Just because you walk out there and you're a wrestler doesn't mean people are going to take to you. They're not gonna, you're not going to get over just that easy. So it, it, people needed to be established, and he and he did. There's a few people that he didn't give the time to get over like that. 
So, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, like I said, he's a great person. I, I, I love him to death. But at that particular time, he that was what I was – what I was brought in to do was to make this show better because Charles respected my opinion and I respected his. But when we would book a show and then we'd have it all planned out and then he's like, oh, no, I don't like this and let's change that and let's move this and let's put this up. By then, the entire show was completely different. And I'm like, okay, so I'm getting paid to book for what? A Rampage. Hey, we, Larry, what, what did gotta you want ask specifically you about, now? got to ask you about Rampage, how it – you know, how it started, what the deal was with Johnny Gayton, what the deal was with Usual Suspects. So go go where you will. Rampage started with a phone call from Katie Mayo, who used to do the commentary and interviews oh, in yeah. the locker room. Okay, I'm sure you remember Katie. <laughs> yeah. Um, Rampage, Katie and I used to bounce at a club. In a, well, I used to bounce, and she was a bartender at a club in Macon, and she worked for Dr. Gaten during the day. And Dr. Gaten, obviously, was a huge wrestling fan. And Katie told Dr. Gaten that she knew me and that we were really good friends. And he said, I want to meet him, and I want to start a wrestling show. So I went to his office. He and I sat down. We talked for about an hour and a half about everything, like mostly wrestling, of course, but we talked about a little bit of everything. And he gave me his he, – he, he told me what he wanted, and I told him what I could do to make it happen. And I – and I know he'll tell you this if he were on the phone, but I was the one who came up with the name Rampage, and we, me and Jason Cross – booked Rampage for the first few months that it was, was going. September 1st, I don't remember exactly the year, but September 1st was the first show. And it was a live, it was a TV, well, it wasn't a live TV, it was a TV show that they taped. And we were on the air for five years from start to finish. Rampage was on the air starting that first show, September 1st. And um, me and Jason crossed book Rampage and uh you know, Rampage was another place where there was so much talent. I mean, there was oh, a, anybody. Yeah, anybody that was anybody at that point was was trying to get to was trying to get to Johnny G so that they could wrestle for you know Doctor Gaten and Rampage. And um, everybody yeah. used to hear about used to hear about the um, the meal tickets that he'd give us to where we could go. You know, you bring your family because there was a bunch of stuff there for kids and. And the, the the workers got pizza and got hot dogs and, and, and food vouchers for your whole family. And Dr. Gaten really took care of all of us and um and made us feel like not only he paid us well, and then he made us feel like we were important. Like nowhere have I ever wrestled for outside of wrestling, of course, for TNA, and I've, I've done some stuff with them. There was nowhere where I ever felt more important because he, he made us feel great and, and, you know, and of course, after a while, you know, he started having the guys that were the main event guys got treated one way, and then the people at the that were on the beginning of the show or the curtain jerkers or whatever you want to call them, they they didn't get treated bad because he took care of everybody. But you could tell who who was really over and who was really not in the locker room. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it was, yeah, yeah. You know, it was um it was great man it, it was the start of so many different people like that. I know the 
the beautiful ball besties, I think that's their names now. Drew Adler was there. You know, guys that have been working now for some time that have really got some time and have turned out to be great workers, they all started there at Rampage. They, well, they started in Fort Valley, but they, they made names for themselves at Rampage. Right. You know, uh, Kyle Matthews and um, Kyle Matthews and, and J-Rod and Frankie Valentine, Josh Storm. I mean, there was so many. Bull Buchanan, once again, I mean, there was so Luke Gallows was there. Oh, uh, yeah, and Taylor. It, and in the later years, he brought in Cedric Alexander. When Jimmy Ray was booking, it, Cedric Absolutely. Alexander came in. Scott Dawson came in. I mean, yeah, incredible talent. I mean, for you know, the now Xavier Woods, right? I mean, just exactly. Xavier Woods and Daniel Bryan both wrestled that rampage. Um, that was, I mean, that was great stuff. I mean, Kyle Matthews had one of the best matches I've ever seen with Daniel Bryan. So, and Jimmy Ray's. I mean, you can't say there was just so much talent. And I learned so much from so many of those guys, which Mike could tell. And I'm going to tell this story again, too, because a lot of people get it confused. A lot of people thought that Murder One invented the, you know, the usual suspects, where it may have been something that he had in his brain, but Mike Taylor was the one who put it together. Because Mike Taylor told me, nobody had ever said this to me, and at the time I had been wrestling for like maybe 11 years, Nobody has ever said to me, you know, you really don't have much charisma. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I got all the fucking charisma. Are you kidding me? And he, <laughs> he, was, he was like, no, you really don't. You know, he's, I wrestled him in Alabama as a heel one time, and he pulled me to the side and he said, that is the most charisma I've ever seen you have in your heel. And I said, well, thanks. You know, I mean, I'm sitting there like, and then he walks off, of course, and he, I'm like, you're not going to explain nothing? You're not going to say nothing. I'm going to walk off. And um, so he wound up talking to me more, and Micah Taylor was the one who put me and Murder One together to make the usual suspect. So um, it was I, – I, I'm not going to be the one to ever take credit for that, and I always tell the story to make sure that nobody else tries to take credit for, oh, it was my idea, bullshit. It was Micah Taylor. Micah Taylor was the one that put us together. And I will say this. My the first I I kind of break my career up in into ten years here and then ten years there. The first ten years was me learning who I was and what it was that it, that I was doing, learning what to do and when to do it. And you know it takes time to learn. It doesn't take ten years, but it takes time to learn how to work properly and how to entertain fans. The second ten years of my of my career was when I had the most fun and I really learned how to entertain people and I really learned how to work. Like, and I blame, I blame, um, well, I don't, I shouldn't say blame, but I have to give credit to Murder One for putting me in a position, put, we, 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 we gave each other a second life. If you, if you, you know what I'm saying? Like he was, he was doing his thing. I was doing my thing. I felt like I was just sort of mediocre at best. At the, yeah, I was doing all right for myself. I mean, I was making good money and all that kind of stuff. But my career was just sort of like, you know, just sort of sizzle, just just simmering. It wasn't really doing anything. And when when you put me and murder together, I felt like I went to that next level. 
I don't know if you remember, we were in uh, Dr. Gayton had us booked everywhere, dude. We were we were doing shows with NWA, we did shows with TNA, we was doing stuff all over the southeastern states. Um, we we won the NWA tag team titles. Yeah, we were ranked in uh, we were ranked in the PWI wrestling magazine at number nine at one point. I mean, every most of the stuff that I did after my first ten years of working, Murder One was involved. And and I'm putting him over right now because I cannot deny what he helped me do in my career. Like he helped he helped us take our careers to a whole other level. And and the last ten years is where I was the most popular. You know, he and I were together as the usual suspects. We we made a lot of noise in the southeastern states. I mean, we went down to Florida, we did shows in Florida, we did all you know, Kentucky, we did Georgia, we did Alabama and you know, you, you you couldn't say a tag team without talking about us. So, AJ, why did it end? Why did Usual Suspects come to an end? Well, uh, part of it was UIW. Part of it was, you know, um, Murder, Murder and Stan had a relationship with each other. That was, you know, it was different. It was, and I, I shouldn't say different. It was, Stan did what Murder wanted Stan to do. You know, Murder murder, murder was in control. And Stan, <laughs> Stan bent over backwards to make sure that Murder and I had what we wanted. And he did a lot of crazy shit to make sure that me and Murder had what we what we needed or what we wanted. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, as far as I'm talking, like he would go steal from he would steal from Billy. He'd go to the damn to the to the ticket month to, to the to the you know front of the building where the ticket money was being held, and he'd take money out of there and 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 made sure because me and Murder were supposed to get a set amount of money, and Stan agreed to that. Stan agreed. Okay, I'll pay you guys this amount of money, and that's what's going to happen. Well, if Stan couldn't get what we were supposed to get, I like I'm, I hate to say it, but look, you told me this is what you were paying me. I'm here, so if you're not paying me this, and then and then shit started falling apart because we weren't getting our money, we weren't getting paid. That was the reason why murder left. Part of the reason why murder left, the, well, one of the one of the times he left was because we would have to. He would pay everybody else, and then he'd come to us with the sad face and the bubble gut saying, oh, you know, I, um, I'm going to be a little short with your money. No, you're not. We're not leaving until you go get our money. Stan had to drive to the ATM machines, or Stan stole from his dad, or stole. he went and pawned shit and, you know, sold his grandmother's stockings. I mean, he did whatever he had to do to <laughs> get, our, get our money. And, um... My, uh, me and Murder have had we we had a love hate relationship. Like Murder is his own person, and I'm and I'm I'm we're like night and day. We're completely different from each other. The way he does things, I you know there's certain things he did that I, I'm not necessarily I don't agree with. And then you know he's a he's a partier a little bit. I'm not so much that way. I'd rather I would have rather go to the gym. You know what I'm saying? I ain't, I ain't a, I'm not a, a social butterfly like that. I wasn't always out like that. So we're two different people, and eventually, 
you know, Murder did some stuff on his own, and a lot of people used to try to make me be jealous about it. Like, Murder went and signed a contract with, um, I think it was the Urban Wrestling Alliance Urban, or Urban Wrestling, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was something up in New York, and, and like, he signed a deal with them. We were a tag team, and, of course, hey, when one of us got an opportunity to go do something, the other one, mad, it was just, okay, well, you go up and do your thing, and then you tell them about me, and then you bring me up later on, and then maybe we could do this, the usual suspect thing there, you know? And that's what that's what I thought would, would have happened. I don't know how far that company went. I know Murder went up, and they did a couple of um, a couple of uh, pay-per-views they recorded. Pay-per-views, they right, where yeah, he, fired, he fired the gun and all that stuff, right? He fired the gun and all that crazy shit, and, um, and you know, it was it was pretty cool. The, the bad part was is that Dr. Gayton and Bill Barons had gotten us booked at uh, Turning Point, the TMA pay-per-view. Hmm. Now, we, we weren't booked to wrestle, but we were booked to be um, the Pope's uh, – we, we went the out Paul to Bears, right? Right. We were the Paul Bears, yeah. and he was wrestling Abyss that night. And Eric Bischoff, basically, the storyline for that was Eric Bischoff paid us off, and we wound up whipping the Pope's ass, and then he got back in and lost to Abyss. Well, the deal was is that we were down there, we were talking to the Dudleys. Murder actually got cool with uh, Devon Dudley. I think he wrestled, he wrestled one of them at UIW once. And, um... You know, Myrtle got cool with them, and, and so they were going to do something with us, but because Murder had signed a contract that had a no-compete clause, we, we couldn't we couldn't do anything with them. So it's sort of like, you know, fuck me. Um, you know, what, 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 we can't do nothing. But he had a, he had a deal with, with the urban wrestling thing, and, and, you know, it was, I don't know how well it did, or I don't know any of the logistics of it. I don't know how much money he made or what, but he did his thing, and I was just kind of just left me to do what I had to do, and then he would he would go and do his pay-per-views, and then he would come back. It was cool, but then it, at that point, now it's affecting both of us. You know what I'm saying? Because TNA wanted to do stuff with us, and they couldn't. So that that probably was where it all started, and then we just sort of, we sort of drifted apart. I know this sounds like a bad relationship, but it just it just we just started going our separate ways. But the the straw that broke the camel's back for me was when Bull Buchanan came to us, he came to me and said, I want my last match to be with you and Murder and I'll bring Delo Brown and the Godfather and they'll come and we'll have my last match, my retirement match. And you can only imagine the honor that it was to me because Bull, Bull talked to me at that, that – we worked at a show at UIW, actually, out at some fairgrounds outside, and he was hurt, I was hurt, but we still had a show to put on, so we, we worked. And um, when we got done, he said, hey, I want to talk to you about something. He pulled me to the side, we went in the room, and we sat out, and he said – you know, I, I really want you guys to be my last match. I got an idea of some stuff that I want to do, and I'll I'll work all this stuff out, and, and I'll let you know. And then, But I want it to be against you and murder. So, of course, I, I'm excited. I run and I go call murder and tell murder what he said. And at this time, murder and Josh Wheeler were just getting AWE. They just stole it from Roger. And they were just getting AWE off 
and run it. Yeah. So, so when I called murder, he of course he was excited too, and then we build up, build up, build up for the show, and we build we build the show up at UIW show. We build everything around Bull Show, and then we promoted it, and then it went to um to Mark to uh, UIW show went to the other show. So we got to Bull Show, and Bull Show had like eight hundred people. And we get there, and murder is nowhere to be found. So I call him, get no answer. Bull calls him, no answer. A couple other guys in the locker room calls him, no answer. So Brad, um, oh, man, Brad, uh, I think it's Lynch. Is it Brad Lynch? He was yeah. like the He was like the big heel at UIW, and... So we worked it out to where he and I were already in a in a in a feud with each other. He was trying to beat me for the the title that I had because I was UIW champion at the time. They they put us two together because he was like, since Murder One's not here, I want to get a piece of this action where I where I can whoop Bull Buchanan's ass one last time. Blah blah blah. Whatever whatever. Brad was the perfect person for the for the situation. He made the match perfect. Everything happened. I, you know, it was it was a great match. It was a great tire show. Was great. The fans were great. Everything was there. But murder never showed up. He never called. And 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 then I didn't talk to him for almost a year, like a whole year from that one that one situation. Hmm. And it was like, you know, what the fuck? What happened? Like this guy who we all watched. You know, Bull's been at WrestleManias and all this stuff. This man asked you to be involved in his last match and you and you no show. You know what I'm saying? Like what what is that? So eventually I talked to Murder and you know, he said what he had to say. I didn't really care for what you know, his answer or, or his ex- explanation as to what happened. It, it, you know, at that at that time it had been damn near a year, so you know, it I'm not one of those types of people that is just gonna just dwell on some shit. So it was it it just kind of was done. We were just done. It was just like we we never. It was no goodbyes. It was no. It's over. It was no big argument. It was no fuck you. It was it was just it just stopped. And then there was a division. It was like it was like murder and his guys and AJ and and whoever the hell AJ was with, you know. And it was just like a big separation and. It was it was just crazy because you know we, as far as I'm concerned we had a good thing you know we had a really good thing and um, for that year there was a lot of speculation a lot of shit talking and it was always other people murder me and murder never said anything to each other he would go on radio shows I would go on the same radio shows I wouldn't mention his name he wouldn't mention my name and and people would ask questions and. It, it got beat around, you know. It got kicked around. Or what do you, what do you guys gonna? Is the usual suspects gonna ever come back? Blah blah blah, whatever. And and both, I never answered in a negative way, and I don't really know if he did either. But you know, to me, it was it was it was just fucked up. And you know, I don't need closure. I don't. I mean, it's been years now, so I just thought it was you know shitty business, and uh, you know, we moved on. Definitely not my favorite person. Well, AJ, if I could, if, as I could, if I could, I mean, we need to wrap it up. But I, I want you to talk about 
what what is your relationship with pro wrestling in general? Is there any way that you want to go out? Is there anything that you're still interested in doing? Or what's what's the deal? Uh, my relationship now is from a distance. Um, I, I I got some. I have some things in the works. Um, I love the business. I have always. This is the one thing that I have always wanted to do since I was a three-year-old kid. I've always wanted to be a professional wrestler. And I'm getting older. Um, I'm I'm going to be, you know, 42 in March. Um, I know I'm not the oldest guy in the world, but you know, when you're when you're 280 pounds and you're doing shit like swantons off the top rope, I mean, I'm no Jeff Hardy, but but I'm I'm too a Jeff Hardy, so I shouldn't have been doing it. But you know, your body goes through a, a, a beating over over time, and you know. I have to be smarter. I have a family. I have kids and everything, and I'm sure everybody knows that from Facebook and all that stuff. I want to be able to, you know, enjoy enjoy my life, the what's what's left of it, and and my the quality of life is important to me. However, um, a lot of people have asked me, "Have I retired?" I I, I semi retired. I, I I I wanted to retire. I've been trying to get out of this business for the last three years like I didn't want to do it but you know things were going well and I was you know I was getting booked every weekend and I was I was constantly working and I was involved with really good storylines like we talked about with Peach Gate and Tommy and, and Rick Michaels and you know stuff like that and um, I just recently had a, a match at Peach State with uh, Logan of course we had thumbtacks and gummy bears and doors and all kinds of shit so you know I still have the desire and the want to do it but I don't want to put myself through the physical part of it to, because I don't want to hurt myself to the point where I can't do anything else. You know what I'm saying? I have other important people that depend on me in life that yeah. I can't be hurt. You know what I'm saying? So with all of that being said, where does this take me? Where does this leave me? I have some stuff in the works, um, and it's it's going to take a few months, but I – Eventually, I would like to have my own promotion, um, and I feel like, you know, when I when I do it, I love everybody that I've worked for, and I and I and I respect a lot of people. I'm, I'm not stepping on anybody's toes, but if I'm gonna do a show, it's gonna be the best damn shit in Georgia. It's gonna be the best show, as far as you in this area. And it, and it may not necessarily be in this area, but when I actually yeah. finally get everything worked out, I will have, I will have a show. And if it works, great. I think I, I think I know enough about the business now to say I think I know what fans want, and I'm gonna go into it a hundred and fifty percent. I'm not gonna cut no corners. I'm not going to get a, a, you know, you know, I know you've heard me rant and rave on Facebook about wrestlers working in bullshit rings that fall apart or that's dangerous. Like UIW used to have holes in their rings and stuff. Yeah, and I, I remember. If I, ever, if I ever stepped in another hole, then I was going to take my foot out of his hole in that ring and put it in the hole in his ass or his dad <laughs> or whoever else because it's not fair to the workers that are getting in that ring and putting their life on the line day in and day out. And and you you just want to make money and you getting you know stuff that is going to hurt somebody. So I'm going to make sure I'm talking top to bottom. I, I'm going to have a show 
that is going to be, you know, everybody says this when they when they first decide that they're going to run a show. You know, my show is going to be better. You know, I am so serious that when I say eventually, I will have a show that will be great. And I'm going to put the time, I'm going to put the money, I'm going to put the effort, I'm going to get the talent. And when it happens, it'll be, it'll be, you'll, you'll definitely know about it. Cool. Great. AJ, thank you so much for giving uh, so much of your time here to go in depth hope, about so I many hope, things. I hope that there's nothing that we missed. Um, because I know you and I have been talking about this for some time. Um, you know, I, I will say this, another thing real quick. I I said that I was retired, but I feel like I have there's there's one there's one less little thing left that I have in me and and I'll get it out. And you guys will definitely know about it and you'll see it. And uh I'll be when whenever when, when the moon and the stars align themselves properly, you're gonna see it. And I'll and I'll come back and I'll uh I'll do what I what I did for 20 years and entertain people, you know, put smiles on faces or make people really pissed off because I've done both. I've I've been cheered, I've been booed, but I've loved every single year of it. 21 years is what they say that I've done. I've loved every single minute. I wouldn't change anything. Actually, I would change some stuff. I would definitely, I would change. I would change some of the people that I associated with, and I would definitely try I would I would not get complacent with just wrestling for an independent companies or in just the South. I would never be complacent again. I would put I would put myself out there like some of these young guys that I see now, like Austin Theory and um mm-hmm. oh man, um Odinson. Um there there's there's uh Kevin Blue. Uh there's so many there's so many great young guys that I've worked with and I'm you know, I had really either really good matches with them, or I've watched them work, and their and their work is so solid, and they hadn't been working very long. Uh, I want to see those guys succeed. If anybody knows me, you know, on a personal level, they know I'm I enjoy helping people. I don't I don't, you know, I don't have a following of people, you know, drinking as they say that that Kool Aid that I go around. I I like to help people. I don't like to take people and, and, and take advantage of them like some other people that I know gonna say no names, murder. But um it is it is what it is. I wanna hurt I want I wanna help people. You know what I'm saying? And and that's the reason for my wanting to do a promotion. You know, I found out that uh Seth Rollins has a like a a wrestling promotion and he has like a, a house where they live there. And then they go from his house to the training, and they and they do that mm. for so many months at a time. I don't know if you guys know about it, but Seth Rollins trains guys, and he has trainers there all the time, and they live in like a the, his mom runs the house that they live in. So to me, that's like a great idea. Like you got, you know, you get sent. It's sort of, it's sort of like going to the military. You know, you you leave wherever you're from, you move into this house, and you do nothing but wrestle. You train, yeah. you eat, you sleep, you breathe wrestling. And because I love this business still, I want to see people succeed. I want to see people get better. I want, I have an idea of what people want to see, and I want to see if it works. If it doesn't work, hey, I take my ball and go home, you know. But um, 
I got a feeling that it will work. Well, I wish you the best of luck. Um, I know I speak for Larry when I say I can't wait to see how it pans out and and what comes about. And, uh, you know, thank you so much for your time. I figure this is a great place to end the show. I'm certain we'll have you back at some point. And uh, thank you so much, man. We appreciate it. I, Thanks, I appreciate AJ. you guys having me on. And if I find out, Larry, that you said this was the boring, most boring show that you've ever had, I'm going to find you. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, for AJ Steele, Larry Goodman, I am Stephen Platinum. Thank you very much for joining us for a great episode of The Tipping Point. We thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support.